During the month of March, we considered the topic, Lord, Save Us. During those few weeks, we discussed the plan of salvation that God has to save man. During the month of April and going to today, we have discussed some further lessons where the Lord is addressed and a question follows. Last week, Lord, is it I? Am I the one that is responsible? This morning, Lord, where are you going? I'd like for you to focus your minds with me for a few moments to the book of John, to chapter 13. And while we are looking at John 13, I'd like for you maybe to keep your Bibles open to look at some of the verses that precede and some that follow because there's no way we can adequately discuss each and every part of this section. I find it very difficult to conceive how stressful of a situation this must have been. As the Lord looked at his impending death, as he looked at what he was going to suffer, I think it's also difficult to conceive how those apostles felt. I do know they were confused. I do know that they were struggling with what the Lord was saying. And the reason why I say they're clearly confused is because of what takes place in John chapter 16, beginning with verse 25, going through verse 30. When I go to John 16, the Lord will begin to direct his comments to them specifically and without using some sort of figure of speech. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you should pray or that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. And the disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. It wasn't until this point that it really dawned upon the apostles, Jesus is really leaving us. Jesus is going back to the Father. And now we have a mission before us. Did they understand it all at this point? Certainly not. But they understood at least that part. This morning, when we look at the question that Peter asked back in chapter 13, Lord, where are you going? What was the relevance to them? And is there a relevance for us today? As we ask the question, Lord, where are you going? 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to study why Jesus was leaving. Why did he leave this earth and go back to the Father? Number two, where was Jesus going? That's the question they ask and one that deserves an answer. And then the one that Peter implied, when can I come? When can I be a part of this? Let's start, first of all, with why was Jesus leaving? I frequently read books written by people who are unbelievers. People who do not have the same respect for God's Word that you and I do. One of the common characteristics that they discuss about the life of Christ is they say that Jesus really didn't know who he was and that only as he became aware of people around about him did he understand that he was this some Messiah that was going to be a great deliverer of the people. I don't buy that for a minute. That's not what the Bible teaches The Bible teaches that the life of Christ was clearly planned and set forth and followed a timetable. Let me carry you through the Bible and prove that to you. In the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul says, But when the fullness of time came, or had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, When the fullness of time came, God had a timetable in which he intended to bring Jesus into the world. When you think about the fullness of time, or the time is now complete, God had prepared everything for this specific moment. I can look back to those Old Testament prophecies like the one of Daniel in Daniel chapter 2 as Nebuchadnezzar had seen a great image and as Daniel interpreted that dream to Nebuchadnezzar and explained, you are, Nebuchadnezzar, that head of gold. There shall come a nation or a kingdom after yours, inferior to yours. And that was represented by the Grecian Empire, by the silver chest. The belly of brass was the Medo or the uh, excuse me the chest of silver was the Medo Persian then the belly of brass was the Grecian and then finally the legs of iron and the feet of part iron and part clay represented the Roman Empire and in the days of those kings he said in chapter two and verse forty four shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom God had a plan I believe that plan involved things such as having the Roman road system where the gospel could be carried easily into all the world. You had a universal language, the Greek language, that people spoke almost in every nation. But God had a timetable. And when the time came for Jesus to arrive into this world, he arrived. Now when I go to John chapter 7 and verse 33, I find in the early part of Jesus' personal ministry, while he's at the Feast of Tabernacles, he makes this statement, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I shall go to him who sent me. Just a little while longer, and then I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to go back to the one who sent me. You keep the flow, go to John chapter 13, verse 1. And here is what 
we read. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What we find is the hour had come. The plan was all fully coming together for Jesus to do his work, to give his life, and then go back to the Father. That brought about the end. Now, why else was Jesus leaving? Because Jesus had a mission to accomplish. He had something that needed to be done. In John chapter 14, if you're reading along through this context, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. What I observe from this is is that Jesus was going to prepare a place for his people. Why is he leaving? I've got to go prepare something. I've got to prepare a place for you. But I believe there's another aspect to this that was often overlooked. And Jesus leaving was also very important so that the Holy Spirit could come and do his work. Notice with me John chapter 16 and verse 7. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Helper, which the King James and American Standard translates as the Comforter, is the Holy Spirit. If you go back to chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is going to come, but for the Holy Spirit to come, I have to leave. I know many of us, when we read that, may wonder, why is it that Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come? I don't know that I can fully, adequately answer that. I have a strong opinion that in order for Jesus to do or for the Holy Spirit to do His job, Jesus had to complete His job. It's almost as if before you can start the next level, you have to have completed this one. And for Jesus to remain would have meant that His work was not yet completed. And we'll talk just a little bit more about that in a moment. Number two, where was Jesus going? Now, I want to go back to John 14 for just a moment because that's going to raise another question. We looked at verses 1 through 3, so I'm going to pick up with verse 4. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I think Jesus answered his question. 
I think Jesus made it clear. Where I am going is to the Father. And I want you to know you already know the way there. They don't seem to get it at this point. And so Jesus is telling them. But what does it mean to say? Where is it to say with the Father, with the Father? You see, in their minds, I think they perhaps have this idea that Jesus is going to go and meet with the Father in prayer. Maybe he's going to be somewhere here on earth. That's not the case. He's going to be with the Father who is in heaven. Let me take you through some passages of Scripture. Let's look at John 14, verses 12 and 18, specifically the latter part of verse chapter 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works these he will do, because I go to my Father. Verse 28. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. I am going to the Father. I am going to the Father. Let's keep going. Chapter 16. Let's look at verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask, where are you going? Now pause for just a moment there. Don't skip over that. Peter had already said in chapter 13, verses 36-37, Lord, where are you going? Thomas had implied that in chapter 14 and verse 4 when he said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus says, and none of you ask me, where are you going? That's not a contradiction. The question they had been asking was, Lord, where are you going and how is that going to relate to me? If you go on and read verse 6 and following in this context, you will see the Lord is going to explain you have not asked where are you going because you've not asked the real question. When you ask where are you going, they have been thinking about, Lord, why are you leaving me? But the real question is, Lord, where are you going and what are you going to be doing when you leave? Look at verses 16 and 17. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. Because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us a little while, and you will not see me? And again a little while you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They do not understand. Because they're only looking at it from a fleshly perspective. Jesus is going to go. Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to go. Jesus is going to come back. What does that mean? in terms of where is he going. Chapter 20, verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to the brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. 
There's a word changed here. Ascended. Jesus is going to leave this earth to ascend into heaven. That changes the perspective now. Where are you going, Lord? I'm not just going to see the Father. I'm going to leave this earth. I'm going to ascend back into heaven. What is he going to do there? This to me is one of the deepest thoughts. When you start thinking about Jesus leaving and what is he doing, where is he going, I want to take you to the book of Hebrews and explore just a few passages as we try to pull this together. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When he had purged our sins, Jesus made a sacrifice that purged, forgave our sins. Chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. You have to picture in your mind Jesus going into heaven, presenting his blood to the Father as a sacrifice for sins, and then he sits down. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. What the Hebrew writer is saying is that you get this mental picture. You think of the Old Testament tabernacle. First part you went into was the holy place. The second part you went into was the most holy place. The priest went to the first part daily. They put bread on the table of showbread, the, the incense. But into that second place, the most holy place, went the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement to offer sacrifice for the sins of the people. The Hebrew writer is saying, here's what you see. Jesus went into heaven, but he went into heaven to offer the sacrifice of sins for us. Oh, now when I say, where did he go? That takes on a whole different realm of significance. It wasn't as if Jesus came to this earth and just, just decided to temporarily go back into heaven. No, he did something there. He presented his blood as a sacrifice for our sins. And after all the preparation is made, he will return again. Now let's apply this. Peter seemed disturbed by the Lord's statement, I'm going away and where I'm going you can't come. At least not now. And so in Peter's mind is, Lord, I want to go now. Can I come now, Lord? No, you can't. When can I go? When can you go? 
Jesus had already said some people could not come. If you back up to John chapter 8, verses 21 and 22, Jesus was dealing with a number of people who did not believe on him and some who did. And when you get to verse 21, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. Notice Jesus makes two really important statements in verse 21. The first important statement that he makes to them is, you will die in your sins. When you die, you will be a sinner because you have not yet believed. You remember verse 24, Jesus said, If you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins. Second important statement, Jesus says, Where I am, you can't come. Not permitted. Unbelievers do not get to go where Jesus is at. Now let's come to what Peter is saying here. Let's look at John chapter 13. I want to get the full context of verses 33 through 38. This is perhaps the most important section of this discussion. Little children, I will be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another also. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me after." Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, you will, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Think about that for just a moment. When you think about what the Lord has said... In the meanwhile, from the time that he leaves to the time that we could go to him, what are you going to do? Jesus said, just like I said to those Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. That's reference back to John 8. You can't come either. Does that mean you're not going to be able to go to heaven? Peter's really disturbed by that. And so the Lord says you can't come now. What about in the meanwhile? You can do like Peter did. You can deny the Lord and say, I don't believe him. And there will be a lot of people who will deny the Lord. And from the time Jesus has left to the time Jesus comes again, there's going to be a lot of people who will stand up and say, I don't believe in Jesus. Don't believe what he said. Don't believe what he teaches. And just like in John 8, you'll die in your sins. Or you can demonstrate that you are a believer in Jesus 
verses 34 and 35 of chapter 13. This is the commandment that I will leave you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another also. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, you can demonstrate it. Now Peter learned that this would be after his decease. In John 21, I'm going to speed this up real quickly. The Lord told Peter that when he became old, somebody would have to lead him around, clothe him. And he told him that he would die. In fact, he specified what kind of life that he would live and what kind of death he would die. When I come to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Peter says that as long as I'm in this tent or in this body, I'm going to stir you up. And he says, knowing that the Lord that shortly I must put off this tent just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. God showed me I'm going to have to die. And for us, Hebrews 9:27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. When, I, when am I going to go? Can I go? Not now. While I'm alive, I can either deny the Lord or I can declare myself to be a believer. But it will also come after the return of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 54, he says, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality... Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and come forth, those that have done good to the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I think about the statement that Peter asked, or the statement was made by Peter in the form of a question, Lord, where are you going? And the answer to that is, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to come back again. And when I come back, what will I find? Will I find people looking, watching, waiting, living faithful lives? It may be that you're here this morning and you look at yourself and you know if the Lord were to come right now, you're not ready. And just like he told those Jews, where I am, you cannot come. Folks, I'd hate to have to miss heaven. I'd hate to to look and realize I had an opportunity like this morning to confess my faith into Christ and to be baptized for the remission of my sins and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I just didn't do that. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And I'd hate to be a child of God sitting there knowing that my soul's salvation was just hanging in the balance And I could have made a decision, but I didn't do it. 
Folks, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to be prepared. And if you're not ready, would you come while we stand and sing?